My message today is entitled, Being Intentional. Everything that God has done has been intentional. When Adam and Eve sinned and broke connection with God, God was intentional about how to repair that relationship. He put a plan into motion back then in the garden. However, it didn't happen on man's time. It happened on God's time. At first, God allowed men to suffer the consequences of their sin. He allowed them to feel the anguish of the loss of their actions. He allowed them to realize how hopeless it was without Him. In fact, He even let them to try try to lead on their own by being kings of the land, an experience in which they failed miserably. Ultimately, however, God had a plan, an intentional plan from the very beginning. And as time developed, he brought that plan into motion. He sent John the Baptist intentionally to prepare the way through a message of repentance. And then he sent Jesus Christ to be the living sacrifice for all of us, to be the final lamb whose blood was shed so that we could gain entrance into his presence for all eternity. All that God did was intentional. And how do we respond? If truth be told, we respond more often than not in ways that are anything but intentional. This is why we must spend time with God in prayer and in His Word so He can transform us to be intentional in all that we do. We can learn much about God's message of intentional living by studying the life of the prophet Elijah. Elijah had just recently followed God's command to go live near a brook during a time of drought. And while he was at the brook, God commanded ravens to feed him daily. At the brook, Elijah learned to become dependent, to become daily dependent upon the Lord. A lesson that we all need to keep as a high priority in our lives. But then the brook dried up, and so God commanded Elijah to go visit a certain widow. We're going to pick the story up in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10. So Elijah rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, Elijah was not being pushy or presumptuous. He was being obedient to God. He wasn't paralyzed in worry about how his request may have come across. He was resting on the faith that if God commanded a raven, of all things, to bring meat and bread to him at the brook, then God had already prepared this widow's heart to serve him and to meet his needs. From what Elijah experienced at the brook, he learned that he had to be intentional. An intentional life is one that has learned dependency on God, one that has developed faith with action, one that is defined by immediacy, not hesitancy. Too many of us say that we'd like to have the faith of Elijah, but we're not willing to live intentionally. We're led more by worry than by trust. Our minds work much harder than our hearts too often. 
we overthink, we overanalyze, and we overreact to all the what-ifs instead of standing on the what-could-be's if we just lived intentionally. What Elijah teaches us more than anything is that great faith is not about some super-concentrated power that we need to build up and produce from within us. Great faith is simply deliberate obedience to God, taking Him at His word and following through without hesitation. And while that seems to be such a massive overhaul of thinking to most of us, it is just the intentional practice of following God one step at a time. 1 Kings 17, verse 11. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Again, Elijah stands on God's word to receive his promised provision. Yet he also didn't ask for more than was needed. Because as soon as his actions cross the line from need to greed, God is no longer in the equation. Elijah asked for a morsel of bread, not the whole loaf. Why? If God promised that this widow would provide for him, doesn't that mean that he is a literal blank check that he can write for whatever he wants? Doesn't that mean that God has to give Elijah whatever he has asked to this widow because God has to be true to his word? Doesn't that mean that Elijah's faith now dictates that he needs to only name it and claim it to get anything that he wants through this widow? Absolutely not. The reason being is that what Elijah learned at the brook, his epiphany was not about his own faith, but rather the faithfulness of God. This is where today's false teachers of the prosperity gospel and the name it and claim it folks get off track. It's where they begin to start operating unbiblically. They give more weight to their faith than to God's faithfulness. Elijah knew it was not about his faith, but rather about the faithfulness of his God. This may seem like a very small tweak in interpreting, interpreting scripture or doctrine, but it is monumental in understanding God. This is what Elijah discovered as he became completely dependent on the Lord for all his provision. Each day at the brook, Elijah was reminded that he had nothing. He didn't have stores built up, storehouses built up of meat and bread. He had only received morsels at a time to sustain him and keep him dependent upon God for his next meal. It was this awareness of his lack each day that kept him leaning forward into God's promises. When we are not concerned about our lack because we have more than enough provided for us and stored up, it has the potential and the tendency, due to our fleshly thinking, to cause us to get too comfortable. When this happens, we tend to lean back into our overconfidence instead of leaning into what God can do for those who are hungry for more of Him. It is this hunger that keeps us daily dependent upon God. An intentional life springs from this stance. It's what causes us to trust God even more so we can be deliberately obedient to Him 
instead of living hesitantly and cautiously. I'm not sure where any of you are right now on the continuum of living life hesitantly or uh, intentionally. But I believe that the areas in which you are seeing more success and less stress, more fulfillment and less emptiness, are the areas of your life where you are living intentionally. Now, when you combine intentional living with God's promises and with His Word and His will and His authority, you begin to experience breakthrough power. This increases consistency in life. It produces greater faith and squeezes out the kinds of stress that seek to bring you down and to stall your momentum. God desires that we intentionally follow Him in all that we do. I will be honest with you. I'm not at the place yet where intentional living dominates every single area of my life. I still get bogged down like everyone else by stress in certain situations that produce hesitancy and difficulties. Yet there are other areas in my life where I have learned how to live like Elijah did at the brook. I have learned to be aware of my complete lack so that I can lean into God to fill me with His desires and His power and His completeness. And in these areas, I am continually blown away at how faithful my God is to provide every single time. Bringing a new message to you each week is a very daunting task. Each Sunday afternoon, I come down from a high of preaching God's Word with His power and His anointing, and I'm quickly reminded that I have nothing prepared for the next week. Each Sunday afternoon, I abruptly become aware that my daily bread has been consumed, and I have to start all over again. It's a very challenging thought, as you might imagine, especially when I have a full life of responsibility during the rest of the week. But it is this awareness that causes me to lean into God for Him to give me what I need when I need it, according to His will, and what He desires this body to hear each week. It is from this intentional pursuit of God for these weekly teachings that I am able to give anything at all. I'm humbled by it, and I'm empowered by it at the same time. I have learned that it's not about my faith, but rather about God's faithfulness to deliver. I just have to continually obey Him each day at a time. And I believe you've all been witness to what God has done in the last three years in this church. He is calling all of us to lean into Him and to live intentionally for Him. 1 Kings 17, verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Do you see the the dynamics that are happening here? This woman is completely aware of her lack, looking at what she does not have. The problem is not that it's, it's not combined with her understanding of God's faithfulness. When that understanding is missing, when, that, when the 
that perspective is lacking, that God is faithful even when I have not, when that's missing, then all we can see is what we don't have, what can never be, what has little to no chance of happening. That's where the enemy wants you to look at at all times. The enemy tells you to judge your situation now without trusting God for the future. We are all drawn to despair like this woman at times as she awaits her imminent death. But there's more to this event than meets the eye. The flower and the oil are not only objects in this story, they're also symbolic at the same time. Flour is made by harvesting wheat, by threshing it out, by stripping off the grains, then grinding it and beating it into a powdery substance. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life that I felt like I'd been threshed and stripped and ground and beaten down. I have a feeling that you know all too well what I mean. After we have been beaten down for too long, we tend to feel like we're just taking up space. And we forget that like the flower, there's a greater purpose for us. Instead, we're drawn into a self-preservation mode, using any strength we have left just to stay alive, even though the desire to even try is slipping away. This widow had been overtaken by this fear because life or others had, had her beaten down. God sees her and brings Elijah to her, to her in her time of need. If only she can just change her focus and begin building up her obedience one simple step at a time. Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, bring, make some for yourself and your son. Elijah confronted her fear head on and then instructed her to serve him first. But understand that this request was not so much about Elijah's needs as it was about hers. She would learn faith by her obedience to give to the purposes of God first. And in doing so, she would be taken care of and would be strengthened physically and spiritually. In fact, Jesus put it this way, Matthew 6, 31-33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Our simple obedience is much like this widow's. As we take care of the kingdom of God first, then he will more than take care of us. Elijah tells her to make a small cake and then make some for yourself and your son. The point of the matter is that God needed her to give something first before she could receive. Because in giving, she activated her faith. It's not about how much she gave or giving everything she had or going into debt by borrowing from others. It's about giving out of her need so that she might activate her faith. Sometimes 
God has us give money when we have little money to spare. Sometimes he has us give time when we feel we have no time to give. When Nancy and I have reflected on all that God has done through us in ministry in the last 25 years that we've been in ministry, we're blown away. Though we have full-time jobs, multiple full-time jobs, apart from ministry, apart from the church, God has empowered us to successfully pastor several churches and see so many great moves of God in people's lives. And I will tell you that the one thing that we had very little of constantly throughout these 25 years, one thing we've had very little of was time and energy. Amen, Nancy? But I will tell you that being obedient to God's call on our lives, we obeyed and have continually given out of our need. When we needed more time and energy, we gave out of our need to others, as God has called us to do. We've given out of our time and energy. We've given out of our resources, even when we were in great need ourselves. If we would have stopped to be led by our logic or listened to human reasoning of those who have judged us harshly each step of the way, we would have missed out on God's miraculous provisions. In fact, we certainly would not be here in Common today if we were led by logic or listened to others. Logically, these life decisions have not made sense. But having learned daily dependence upon the Lord, we have continually given out of our need to serve the Lord. There are times when God asks all of us to give of our resources and our time and our talents and our gifts when we are looking for help from others in those same areas for us. He may, he may ask us to Cheer others up when we feel we are the ones that need the encouragement. Regardless of what we give when we are lacking, regardless of what we sow into a need for which we have the same need, it is this type of giving of ourselves that activates our faith. It's not about the amount. It's about the act of giving. Giving involves trust. Trust that if we give away what we are trying so hard to hold on to, God will meet our needs and ultimately give us something even even better because he will increase our daily dependency on him in the process. Why do people give to a church when times are challenging? It's because they believe that God is the answer regardless of the question. Regardless of the situation, God is the answer. They learn to trust Him by intentionally giving out of their need and having faith that God will take care of them if they take care of His kingdom first. The widow in this story received a first-hand lesson in intentional giving. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Both the flour and the oil are needed to make a small morsel of bread. Now we've already talked about the significance of the flour, but let's also discuss the significance of the oil. Oil, which is also made by crushing olives, 
Oil is used symbolically of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. You see, once we become like flour and threshed and stripped and beaten down, it means that we admit our brokenness to God. Then we give room for the Holy Spirit to fill us and restore us, making us pliable in God's hands that He might use us now to bless others who are broken down, to bless others who are beat down and ground down by the events of life, and teach us to faithfully receive from Him. As we stay humble and submitted to God, the oil of the Holy Spirit will never cease to flow through us. He will never run dry. Verse 15 and 16. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. What I love about this passage is that God didn't multiply the flour and the oil 100-fold, as prosperity preachers will insist that God will do. God kept providing what was needed daily. How do we know? Because she still had the same bin and the same jar. Every time she scooped out the remaining contents of the bin and the jar, she had to hope and believe and trust that it would be filled when she returned. This constant awareness of the bankruptcy of our souls, of the sinful state that we are in with our flesh, reminds us how amazing and how faithful our God really is. It is this continual awareness of the bin and the jar that causes us all to be daily dependent upon the Lord. If God gave us a hundredfold on every good seed that we sowed into good soil, then we would cease to become daily dependent upon Him. I believe that when God allows us at times to experience financial increase, it's more of a test than a blessing. Will we continue in the same intensity to stay daily dependent upon Him? After all, our our dependency on God is of infinitely greater value than any amount of riches on this earth as we stay daily dependent upon God. It keeps room in our lives and on our prayers for God to move. It prevents us from feeling that we must search with our own logic to find other ways how people will bless us. It takes the manipulation out of prayer, and completely relies on us trusting in God's faithfulness. Mark 10, 24 and 25. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, God wants to meet our needs. But He wants to do so most often in a daily fashion. For it is the daily believing and trusting that keeps our relationship with Him alive and fresh. There is much to learn from the story of Elijah and the widow about being intentional. The widow didn't second guess or doubt Elijah. She responded intentionally to serve and to give. 
In doing so, God increased her daily dependence upon Him so she could realize and receive His faithfulness. Intentional living covers everything that we do. Yet too many times, even though God has been intentional in rescuing us and saving us and healing us and sanctifying us, too many times our response has been anything but intentional. Too often our response is a random thank you when we're reminded on Sunday or when something good happens to us. Sometimes our thanks spring forth as a reaction when something crosses our mind. Yet God desires all of us to be intentional with our praises, intentional with our thanks and worship to Him. We should not respond merely with our reactions, for that just defines our love for God as conditional. We need to give thanks and praise and worship to the Lord proactively meaning at all times and in all situations. Our love for Him must be unconditional and therefore intentional. Our vision at this church is to create a place where people can come to meet and experience God, to find His presence, that He would personally speak to each one of you, to heal you in personal ways, and to bless you richly with His grace and love. As the worship choir comes, in, comes forward now to share their hearts through song, they've asked me to speak to you about their intentional worship to God. As this small group has grown spiritually, they see their worship as a gift to God when it is used inside a worship service. You see, whether it's a worship leader or a worship team or a soloist or a worship choir, one goal remains the same, to lead people into the presence of God. Now, a cantata or other types of performances may be given for the enjoyment and pleasure of those who are listening. And in those cases, they're giving a gift to us. And naturally, we thank them by giving applause. But when worship is intentional and it's intentionally given to God, intending to lead people into his presence, then our response is not to applaud their efforts because that the worship is given to God. Our response is to seek God all the more so that all of our worship can intentionally be given to him. When that happens, God gets all the glory. God gets the thanks and God gets the praise. With this understanding, our worship choir now seeks to lead you into the presence of God with a beautiful invitation to come to Jesus. Listen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your invitation to come to you. We thank you, God, that you have our hearts and minds. Lord God, we give you our lives right now. Use us, Lord God. Teach us to be intensely dependent upon you. We thank you to bless this church and the mission of this church to be your light in this world. We continue to learn like Elijah did at the brook to be daily dependent upon you. We give you our worship. We give you our hearts and our lives. 
We don't take anything for granted. And we thank you for your daily giving to each of us. Bless us, Lord God, as we continue to seek you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray.